You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. All right, you guys, we are back on the Best in the World Sports Report. My name is John Brown. Once again, you can hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at B-I-T-W Sports. All right, I was on TotalSportsLive.com this week, and there was a really good article talking about the debate over NBA teams resting their players. And for me personally, as a fan, I get it. Like I, I, I'm, I don't have a really big problem with it. You know, guys need rest. And people can sit there and bring up all types of players in the past and if they needed rest or whatever, how the game changed. The game is the game has changed. And no matter you know what you say, no matter how you feel, that's just part of it's part of the game now. But I wanted to talk about this article, so I had I had the writer, the creator of this article, Adil Royster from TotalSportsLive.com call in because I wanted to talk to him. Adil, how you doing, brother? I'm all right, John. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm real good. Um, I wanted to throw a a, a quick stat at you, uh, if possible, because sure. um, because you saw uh, Carl Malone had come out earlier uh, in the last week or so speaking out about players needing rest. And I heard a lot of old school NBA fans bringing up Carl Malone. But I looked it up and in Carl Malone's first 14 years in the NBA, he played in a total of 1,200 games. That's 1,200 games, including the playoffs, 1,200. This is now LeBron James's 14th year in the league. So having not even completed his 14th year in the league, LeBron James has played in uh, 1,249 games. So to me, that just says that man deserves his rest, right? See, this is where I kind of veer off to the, the more the more advanced version of that debate. See, going in terms of games is one thing. With me, I like to look at it in minutes played. Mm -hmm. Um, And from, for for example, you brought up LeBron James. He's 32 years old. He's in his 14th season. But already the man has logged 40, just over 40,000 minutes. That's just the regular season. Mm. And then you count the other 8,500 playoff minutes, and then you count all of the hundreds of minutes that he played in Olympic years. LeBron is only 32, but that's a lot of miles for a 32-year-old guy in the Mm. NBA. Especially in today's NBA, it's much more fast-paced. There's a lot more asked of some of these players like LeBron James. For example, his early years in Cleveland, he was literally doing everything. He led the league in minutes played twice out of his first four years in the league. So the Cavaliers were asking him to do everything for that team, and rightfully so. He is LeBron James. He is the best player on the planet. So when it comes to the old school guys talking all that nonsense about games played and rest and like that, I don't 
look at games, I look at minutes. And LeBron is just the extremist, the most extreme case in terms of minutes played over the course of a career. Some of the lower level guys, some of the mid tier guys probably can't stick that claim. But that's kind of that's kind of where I formulate my argument. So given what you said about LeBron and the amount of time that LeBron's been in the league, because now we're talking a guy who never played college ball, so has been playing at this level, the highest level of basketball pretty much since he was a teenager, since he was a late teenager. But given, but I guess, you know, he's, he's one story, you know, and for LeBron, I look at LeBron, you know, I look at the case of LeBron the same way I looked at, Tim Duncan when he was playing and Pop would uh, rest him as well as Kobe Bryant because those guys played a long, a very long time, a lot of years, logged a lot of minutes, played in a lot of games. So for me, that's one thing. Now, what would you say, like, like how would you then tailor that argument to a player who has not been in the league as long but is still subject to getting – you know, these rest days, like say a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson or a Kyrie Irving, and maybe even to a lesser extent, a Kevin Love. What would you say about, like, how does that argument now tailor to those players? Now, for those kinds of players, they're still on, for you said Kyrie Irving, you said Kevin Love, you said Steph Curry. Those are guys that are on teams that are competing for NBA championships. Uh, would you agree? Yes. Yes, very much so. So my argument then comes down to the coaches and the team doctors and the general managers. Now, when you're coaching the NBA or you're general manager in the NBA, your first responsibility, more so than anything else, is to produce championships. And what Pop did when he, when Greg Popovich started doing that with the Manu Ginobili's and the Tim Duncan's and the Tony Parker's of the world, when those guys needed rest, it was viewed as negative, but I always thought of it as kind of a revolutionary way of thinking. Because you have these older guys, um, Duncan was in his mid-30s, Parker was in his young 30s, Ginobili was in his mid-30s as well. But San Antonio was still competing for championships and are still competing for championships. And a coach's job in the regular season for Greg Popovich, for Tyron Lue, it's to get these guys ready for the playoffs because that is their ultimate goal. It's a little bit different when you're talking about teams like the Sixers resting guys or the Lakers resting guys. When it comes to adding playoff minutes on top of regular season minutes, you kind of have to strike that balance between getting the right amount of reps in and making sure these guys are healthy enough to get you through the all the rounds of the playoffs, including the NBA Finals. That being said, um, Cavaliers general manager David Griffin said it the, the best way, and I put this in my article, um, there, and he's talking about Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert and, and company, they're paying me to win a championship. And that's correct. And that's the perfect response. Most of everything else is secondary. 
And if a group of players needs a night off, but that produces better odds at them winning that championship that year for the coaches like Tyron Lue or Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr, then I feel they're doing their job. So let me – another aspect that you brought up in your article was the role that the TV deal played in, I guess, the uproar or uh, the backlash against raise, uh, resting players. So given given that aspect of the game and the fact that now the NBA is on TV, you know, almost five, pretty much five of seven days a week, you know, you got your, you know, your NBA TV t- – uh, games, then you got your TNT games, you got your ESPN games, you got your ABC games. Do you think? Do you think that it's more? The reason why it's a problem now is because you've had cases where you've had marquee superstar guys sitting during nationally televised games, and now more people are seeing it. I kind of see that's in that's one aspect where mm-hmm. I side on the the opposite of the player. Mm-hmm. I kind of take the network side on on that issue because the the NBA Saturday night game they're billing that similar to what the NFL is doing with Thursday night. Granted, the the matchups and the games are far better than some of the things that were put on NFL Thursday night. Mm-hmm. If you've seen some of the garbage that they threw on there. Yeah. Um, a lot of the a lot of the Saturday night ABC games, their marquee matchups, there was a Golden State San Antonio game. There was a Cleveland versus the Clippers game. That part I understand. Mm-hmm. The current NBA deal it's it's in the billions of dollars. So that much money being thrown out, I can understand how ESPN and ABC, they're getting a little bit upset with the resting of marquee players for marquee games. That part I can understand. But at the same time, it's hard to it's hard for me to believe that they won't get that money back with NBA playoffs coverage, NBA finals coverage. ABC, ESPN, they're the only network that carries the NBA finals, period. Mm. So I'm almost positive they'll get that money back for um, one or two regular season games that are missed in the regular season. So in the so I guess for you, the, the problem isn't necessarily resting the players because they're putting on their bodies and that they're, they're going to need some rest, but it might be how they do it when they choose to do it, that is more of a problem. Um, I think my issue is more with the, what I feel is unnecessary backlash from media personalities or old school NBA players. Granted, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, uh, Charles Barkley, they played 82 games all night, every night. And I don't fault them at all for that. And it's the reason why I love the NBA I loved it as a kid, loved it as a teenager, loved it even more as an adult. But when you go back and you look at the speed of the game back in the in the 80s and the early mid-90s, and then you look at the game now, it is way more fast-paced, it's way more intense. The 
athleticism is ramped up times 100. So guys are spending ungodly amounts of energy to compete on the highest stage. And the the 82 games thing, that that was just an arbitrary number that was that was developed. I'm going to quote something from um, Bill Simmons in The Ringer. Um, in the 56-57 season, there were eight teams, 72 games, 36 against your three conference opponents, and then 36 against the four non-conference. That really does make sense. But then the next four increases in games. You go to 75, then you go to 79, then you go to 80 and 81. And then after all that, it's just more and more greed. Like, you just kept going, and it just got 12 teams, 82 games. And it kept going to more teams and more teams. And it was just all about, like, the greed of the game at that point. So I think the easiest solution would be to scale it down to maybe 76. But owners aren't going to knock off six home games and lose money. Agreed, agreed. All right, talking to Adil Royster of TotalSportsLive.com. So you just uh, you just presented a, uh, I guess, a suggestion for a solution, which would be shaving the, se- the season down to about 76 games. Like how, in, in your eyes, how, other than the obvious, which is you're shaving games, uh, uh, you're taking some games off the schedule, like how would they go about that? Like, which games would they take off? Would it be you know non-conference games, one of each? Like, how did you get to bringing it down to seventy-six games? Okay, so the easiest thing to make it all work is definitely going to be one game a month for each team. For they're they're just going to lose they're just going to lose one game per month to get it down to the seventy-six. Mm-hmm. That would be the simplest solution, but like I said, owners are not really apt to losing money. It's something that I don't think that they'll go for. Um, What Adam Silver and the NBA Board of Governors, what they talked about is um, shortening the preseason and then starting the season a week early, which would help with the amount of back-to-backs or ridiculous road trips like like the one that the Warriors were on when I talked about it in my article. It was something like eight. It was something like eight games, eight games in thirteen, in 13 nights. days. Yep. And like two cross country trips. Like that's insane. Mm. I'm I'm sorry. No, no matter what you do, no matter what your job description is, you could be, uh, for example, an insurance agent jumping from plane to plane, doing that kind of round tripping, and you're gonna need a day or two to recover from all the jet lag. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm like I said, I'm always going to side with the players on this issue because, again, I feel like the the way that the NBA is paced today, it's just it's just not something that a lot of athletes can deal with. So, so in in the end, I guess it's it's not really a. a you really think this is something that's just blown out of proportion? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will blow it out of proportion more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my least favorite argument is just one that infuriates me. It doesn't matter what the sport is. 
when you invoke the idea that the fans are somehow upset about this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If I'm a fan of the Golden State Warriors and my guys need a, a night off, but it helps them win a championship, I'm really not going to care if one or two meaningless regular season games came at the expense of a championship parade. If I'm at that parade, the last thing I'm going to be thinking about is that one game in March when Curry, Iguodala, and Clay Thompson sat uh, against the San Antonio Spurs. The last thing that's going to be on my mind at that point. Um, I just think I just think that's a lazy argument, and I just hate when media types do it. All right. Well, let's uh... – before I let you go, I just wanted to uh, shift gears because you are based in Philadelphia, so you do watch a, a lot of the 76ers. Uh, they just yeah. announced over the last week that Joel Embiid will uh, undergo surgery to tear, excuse me, to repair torn meniscus in his knee. Do you feel uh. like, should fans be worried at this point, or do you think this is something that that in the end will, I guess, work itself out? Like, how worried should fans be? I'm very hopeful that this will get worked out, but the fact that this is a repeating this is a repeating thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. You saw it with the, you saw it with Embiid and how they misreported his injury. How he was originally injured against Portland, but they let him play against Houston, which again huge problem with that. I would have much rather than just give him the night off that night. But hey, it was a nationally televised game and Embiid is a rising star. We have to play him. Like, mm-hmm. No, you could have gave him the night off on that. Um, you saw it again with uh, Joel, um, Jaleel Okafor and his meniscus. They misreported that. Uh, Jared Bayless's wrist, they misreported that. So I really think there's something something screwy going on in that front office between the general manager, Brian Colangelo and team doctors and um, Joshua Harris and all the guys at the tippy top of the organization. I think there's something really wrong going on up there. And as a whole, from a talent level and a player standpoint, I'm hopeful, but in terms of who runs the organization, I have no faith in who runs this organization. (sighs) One day I'm, I'm gonna really, I'm get, I'm going to get to the point where I can once again be excited about Sixer basketball <laughs> without the fear that there's just another shoe just waiting to drop. One we'll day, get there. Uh, I, uh, my God, I really hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> Adio D. Royster from TotalSportsLive.com. I want to thank you, brother. No problem at all. Anytime, John. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com.